This is a Dauntless Media Collective podcast. Visit dauntless.fm for more content. Have you seen the Amazon Prime docuseries, Shiny Happy People? Were you shocked to hear the wholesome American Duggar family was involved in a cult? A cult full of abuse, sex, and religious trauma? A cult that claimed to educate children and planned to use them to take over the world? Have you wished you could sit down with an IBLP survivor and hear more of the story? Join hosts Jessica Goforth and Alexis Gray on Leaving the Village, a podcast by IBLP survivors centering their lived experiences and shining a light on all the hidden torment and harm they endured growing up in the cult shown on the groundbreaking docuseries. We have exclusive interviews with cast members where we laugh and cry and go behind the scenes with them as we discuss our shared experiences. If watching the documentary left you wanting more, check out Leaving the Village on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on your favorite podcast platform. You're trying to sell this as you are Mr. Contrite and I'm sorry and whatever. So what it, what does it harm you to say, mm, I thought it was consensual. I realize now that the power dynamics were off. I didn't mean to be abusive, but it was. And things like this should not happen. But you can't say that. Number one, because you want to, you're going to do it again. And you want to leave that door open for it to be okay. Number two... You know people who have done it, are doing it right now, and will continue to do it, who you want to work with, who you want to stay in ministry circles with, and you cannot compromise that. That's the biggest disappointment to me, I think, with this whole thing. This was supposed to be this survivor narrative, and even if you didn't want to personally attack Carl Lentz, you didn't even make him interrogate the system. You didn't, because the follow-up question well, if the power dynamics are off, how is that not abuse? Isn't that isn't that abusive? Shouldn't that not happen? But he can't do that because he's he needs this world and he has to go back into it and they don't want to change it. Pre-roll. Pre-roll. Go. It's 30 seconds. And you know when that when that thing drops. The band better be on stage. No. Otherwise it was my head. You didn't set us up for a win, Nate. No, I didn't. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. So, hey, Janice, welcome back. (laughs) Here we go again. There we go It's always something with you guys. Always something. You know what, though, Janice? The best... The best is yet to come. (laughs) There is more. (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. So, welcome back, everyone. Um, I don't know if uh, if you all who listen to this podcast pay any attention to the world of evangelical news, but if you don't, a documentary has come out about one of the cults that I was in. <laughs> How does it feel, guys, when they make a documentary on your specific cult, your specific church, and your specific city? <laughs> like, exactly you guys. How, yeah. How, Living the dream, basically. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. That's, That's why you went there. You're like, further down the line, if I join this church, 
I'm going to get five minutes of fame on a documentary about how terrible that experience was. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I Actually, Gail, I'm glad you brought that up, um, specifically the city, because there have been not not one, but two full docu-series, not to mention a whole bunch of like there's a BBC miniseries. There's, um, there's at so many. least two or three 60 Minutes exposés in Australia. I think Nightline or Show, whatever Australian, they have some kind of special show. Recently did something last month or, or a month or two ago. Um, but this one, this new one that came out um, that's on Hulu, it, was, it also aired on FX. This one was specifically about our location predominantly yeah. predominantly yeah. a lot yeah. of the other documentaries maybe highlighted a bit of new york here or there but they weren't focused on new york as the main topic whereas this one seemed i mean it did cover it did like the other ones it covered but it almost did in reverse it covered a bit of the general hill song um before going back into how it, that and they were using it from the perspective of how the general big global hill song ties into new york city whereas the other ones was more like New York City was a little branch off here. Let's take a side a side path from the, the general Hillsong. Sort of like mm-hmm. the opposite. Really, you guys were the focus in New York City on this one. Big stars. <laughs> I, I did think that the Discovery Plus one, uh, I, I thought it was a well done uh, documentary, but it was interesting that even while that documentary got to the end, there was still breaking news that they had to probably add in at the last second on the end credits because I think Brian had just resigned at, right mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. as it released. And then I think how much stuff has happened. I don't know if that was that was just over a year ago. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And I think of like how much has gone down since. And I think it's easy to make a new Hillsong documentary every year <laughs> because they just keep doing more, more and more things. So there's always new material to work with. But um, I think my biggest disgruntlement with the, the one that was uh, from... Discovery Plus, which I, again, three hours long, did a good job. I think covered a lot of important stuff, things I never heard or knew about Hillsong as an outsider to it, obviously. Um, you guys probably are much more aware, but I thought it did a good job for those who are unfamiliar with it to give you like an in-depth view of it. My biggest complaint, biggest one was I know some of your stories. I know your story, Janice. I knew Noemi's story. And then seeing how little of the important topics, like actually basically nothing when it came to homosexuality, when it came to black people in church, any people of color at Hillsong, like they didn't, they just skipped over entirely. Like Discovery Plus didn't touch it. And I get why. Makes sense to me why any documentary wouldn't want to touch it. It's always harder to do those topics because a lot of it is much more subtle and people could easily be like, well, that's your opinion, you know? So the other stuff is just are dropping facts. It's easier to prove these topics. It gets, it gets murky. And I, was so glad, I'll give my positive, that in the new one, you guys, uh, that year we're in Janice, I'm, I was glad that they touched on those two topics. Like that, that was missing from the other one and, and why I was upset. That was like my biggest complaint from the other one was why would you put, bring Janice in? Why would you bring Noemi in and not touch on any of the stuff, like the main things that were going down? Um, so I thought this one, at least in that category, they started down that path and they said a few things and you guys had more of a chance. Noemi wasn't in this one, but Josh Canfield was giving his story. Um, mm-hmm. I hope I'm saying his name right from, from New York and, and what happened with him. And I, I think thought, partially because it was very New York focused and, and Noemi right. was exclusively she was Boston. Boston. Right. Well, and right. also Noemi was, um, 
Oh, Noemi had signed an exclusivity with yeah. uh, with Discovery. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I think I want to start with that was my first question I want to ask both of you because I was giving my what I liked. What mm-hmm. do you guys think they did a good job? We'll start with a good. <laughs> There's probably yeah. a lot more to say on the other end, but and I'm sure we'll go there. But what did you guys think was good about like what did you like about it? Um, for me, I would say the the third episode was really strong. So mm-hmm. they're delving into the history of Frank Houston and the beginning of, you know, Hillsong proper. Um I thought I thought that was that was well done. So yeah. And they weren't focused on New York. <laughs> they did a good job. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I thought it was probably out of everything that's been shown so far that at least at least that I've watched, this one did the best job of showing how insidious the roots were and kind of made it pretty clear that the history of Hillsong and how it was founded um, is sort of, that's sort of been obfuscated by Brian Houston, right? Like in the, the question constantly comes up, well, who founded Hillsong? Was it Brian or was it Frank? And the reply is often, eh, maybe both. Yes. And so I think, you know, Brian has done a lot of work over the years to hide his father's um, influence in, in the founding of the church and make it seem like he was the founder because <laughs> you wouldn't want a church founded by a pedophile now, would you? Um, so I think the that third episode, yeah, I agree. That third episode did a good job of uh, of kind of showing that. So I guess that's what I would <laughs> where I would go with that. How did you feel about that specific part, Janice? Like, I know they gave you some chance to give voice. And I, every time you were saying something, I'm like, yes, let her speak. (laughs) And I, I'm always (laughs) wondering what was cut because everyone gets cut a lot, right? You do lots and lots of interview and you, you don't know what's going to, what's going to end up being the stuff that they keep. But the stuff that you did say, I really thought it was hard hitting. I thought some of the stuff Tanya said was very hard hitting, even though it was in Hillsong, New York. I thought Josh Canfield stuff, like I, I thought the interviews talking on these topics the people when it wasn't Carlin's. <laughs> I thought you guys did a phenomenal job with what you were saying. How did you feel about what you remember? Do you re- do you have a recollection of what you said versus what was pulled out or were you surprised by what was what was kept? Um I think I mean my story and my opinion is what it is. So it's not like I'm like what what did I say? What did I say right. for this one? It's like no, this is this is what I say. This is my this is my shtick. So um I think I was, well, you know, leading up to it, like it's hard, it's hard to parse out how I feel about any of it now because there's just too many, too many threads and too many rethinking too many things and trying to, you know, what were they thinking and why did they do it this way? So like before it came out, right, like we were told this is going to be this, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to understand the undertow of evangelicalism and mm-hmm. we want this to be more about the survivors and these, you know, these survivor narratives. So, okay. So that's, what we're going into it with. So, you know, you, re- we recorded this a year ago and mm-hmm. then, you know, you go on with life and you know, it's coming out eventually, but it's mm-hmm. not really sometime in the spring, I guess, but you know, life goes on. You're not really thinking about it. And then the press release came out. And then that's when I found out 
Carl and Laura are a part of this. And immediately my first reaction, like my evangelical brain just kicked in. And I'm like, I do not want to be part of their redemption arc. Mm-hmm. I like, I, cause that was just my first. That was my first thought too. That's yeah. like my first like, thought. And then I was like, no, 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 calm down, calm down. Like that's, that's the evangelical in you just being, knowing that that's what evangelicals are going to be looking for. And that's what, you know, they're going to be hyped for. But for me, I was like, but this is, <laughs> this is the secular these secular people, these secular companies, they have no reason to redeem Carl Lentz. Like, he's not useful to that world. This was supposed to be for survivors. So I'm sure, I'm trusting it's going to be fine. So I just need to, you know, whatever. Um, and then, you know, the way they split it up. So it's the first two episodes and then a week and then the last two. So the first two episodes, I was like, well, I was braced for something worse. Um, Mm -hmm. but even when it was over, like, it was still like, it wasn't like, oh, this was wonderful. It was still like, there's something about this that is still a wait and see. Like I can't, I don't, and it's, you know, I felt like, okay. And some, like, honestly, at this point, I'm like, it feels like it was two different teams working, like, like (laughs) somebody did the first half and then a Hillsong intern did the last one like and they're, <laughs> yeah, they're seriously they're trying to get on staff and that this was their you know project um so after the first two i was like well in some ways like they and now like i'm, I'm second guessing everything i'm like were they did they think he looked better than he did so like they set up all these things were like oh he cries on cue and he's very charming yeah. and he's I mean, and then he comes on and that's the first thing he does right and it's like oh are they yeah. are they trying to out how manipulative he is are they mm-hmm. trying to show the audience how like how he goes about things and like pull back the curtain for people that i thought that was so interesting what you just said and a few people were had messaged me about it and they were like no he doesn't look good it opens with them saying how he cries on cue and then his first scene he does the cry on cue right after you know, right after someone was interviewed expressing that. And they're like, so they're sort of highlighting the problems with Carl Lentz. And, and I think from the first two, I didn't, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know that there was a whole lot where I was like, okay, they're defending Carl Lentz. I thought, I I guess I had some issues with some of the stuff Carl was saying, but I I like that they kept flashing to people responding with you know their own stories and kind of like pushing back on carl's narrative they kind of it looked like they were giving and i think that could have been done that way they could have they could have used carl that way to like have him say something and then have have the clip of a congregation member explaining how things work but like i I also felt it was a little ambiguous i wasn't Yeah. yeah yeah it did feel it felt that way like in in retrospect now i i feel like it might not have had that kind of purposeful attention and more just like, Hey, these are, this is a cool juxtaposition that we can, you know, cut between Carl and Tiff talking about their college experience. Um, but I like at the, at, after the first two episodes dropped, when I looked at it, then I was thinking, wow, that's fascinating. I, maybe I gave them a little bit more credit cause I was thinking yeah you're yeah. thankful you I was thank like, the director yeah this is a, a challenge uh to to carl's narrative if you keep cutting 
Tiff's perspective, you know, like it, especially since they had, they had touched on racism, they had touched on LGBTQ issues at the church. So maybe there was something to this whole juxtaposing and cutting between Carl and Tiff. Maybe it was like, here's the white man bloviating about whatever it is that he went through. Now here is a minority, a woman who has been abused in the church. Here's her story back and forth, back and forth. So that's what I thought they were kind of doing i don't know now i'm i'm almost like i don't know if that if that contrast was on purpose or if they just were like yeah this is a cool little back and forth juxtaposing about two people talking about their experience at hillsong college or if it was different teams working on each piece yeah, right because it did right? feel disjointed to some extent it did it did and and to be and I'm, i won't i won't like throw any names or anything out there but i i did feel a very different kind of energy from my conversations with uh, the producer who had initially reached out um, and the the follow-ups after that producer left the production um, and then the follow-ups that, that I received. And actually, really, it was more just, I felt like damage control after that press release went out. Um, and, I, and then I was surprised to find out that that producer was no longer there. Um, I think maybe we should just clarify. You were part of the interviews, Nate. For those who didn't know, or people who are, you know, oh yeah, not understanding why you're talking to the producer. <laughs> right, right. You were a part of the group of people that got together. We were there with Janice, with Tiffany. You guys were. I mean, I stopped by for emotional support and 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 was curious what was going on. But like, uh, and and the Reclamation Collective was there. Kayla and um, oh, I forget her, her Kendra. Kendra, they were there, and you know the. Like you said, Janice, the topic was spiritual abuse, and that's what it looked like from right from the onset of what was going down and how this looked different than the other documentaries. That seemed to be what what was presented. And all of that is like there's no reclamation collective. There's no um, therapist talking about spiritual abuse. It's it's gone. That whole narrative was just and Nate was cut. How do you feel, Nate, about being cut for Carl Lentz? I mean, it's got to yeah, seems like. It just seems very familiar. Familiar. <laughs> You're like, yep, this is this sounds like a good summary of of Hillsong right here. Um I was know? there to pave the way. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that highlights something about anyway, something I find upsetting is just the whole you're bumping out people's stories who were the victims in order to make space for Carl Lentz. Like you know, and they started off the documentary saying, you know, for some of the people who are in this documentary, they might be disturbed to find out Carl Lentz is in it. And like they acknowledged like straight up that they did. They, they pulled. So they pulled something last second that like you guys didn't sign on to that. You didn't agree to that. That wasn't mm. how it was. What How wasn't present wasn't presented to you that way. So anything else good? <laughs> Can we think of any other positives <laughs> right. before we get into what went wrong? Uh I liked the editing style. Um, it had and high the, production value. The trailer, the trailer was amazing. Yeah, that was, mm. that was a good trailer. <laughs> um, the the intro, the the song that they chose for the intro, the um, the the artwork, I guess, for lack of a better term, the the B roll that they that they put in there along with like you made it with your b-roll this... nate i saw you worshiping oh well yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, the, <laughs> i'm um, just bugging but the intro, like it 
That's why you like it, Nate. That's why wow. I like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't in the intro. <laughs> no, I wasn't in the intro. Um, the you know the, the 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 church kids walking by with like the the uh, the eight bit style sunglasses and the Instagram hearts and likes and comments rolling over. I thought that was that was a cool intro. Um, and again, I feel like I'm comparing and contrasting the one on Max. Max. Sorry, that's a whole. Oh yeah, it was Discovery Plus. Yeah. Now it's HBO Max, Max yeah. formerly the formerly HBO Max, now Max. Um, the 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 what was the Discovery Plus documentary? I felt like the the Discovery Plus documentary sort of half-assed the intro. It was just sort of like this eerie music, and then the title card. This one had had some interesting messaging in the uh, in the intro. So that I, I'll give them that. I thought that was that was cool. But, um, but yeah, so I'm trying to think of what, what, what other pieces I like besides all the people that I know and love who did great points. There was somebody I didn't know who was talking about spiritual abuse and I, you know, I thought I was upset reclamation was cut because I, I would have, it would have been so interesting knowing the direction mm. they started in to see how that could have gone with those conversations, specifically narrowing in on spiritual abuse. But there was somebody they had included. I don't even remember who I don't, I didn't recognize them. Um, talking about a lamb and spiritual abuse and breaking the lamb's legs. And they were kind of contrasting that to bad pastoring and they were using it to, as a metaphor with how Hillsong was going. Do you remember that, that little bit somewhere in one of the first two? What was Carl preaching a message about um, how, you know, Jesus breaks the lambs or the shepherd breaks the lamb's legs. Somebody was preaching a message. Somebody, maybe it was Brian. And then somebody, uh, they got on one of the talking heads to to kind of talk about how that is uh, um, the type of sermon illustration that perpetuates abuse in the church. I thought that, yeah, you're right. That was good. I mean, it was a very small clip, but I'm like, okay, so mm-hmm. they kind of brought in the topic of spiritual abuse and sort of how pastors can shape a sermon to kind of indirectly communicate they're the boss. And if you don't fall in line, break your legs. <laughs> I don't even know how else to put that. But it, like, it was a very graphic violent kind of metaphor being used to show like the sheep being treated in a way that's not loving, tender, cared for, but abusive, basically an abusive shepherd and how that would play out and tying Better it get into, on the bus or get run over by the bus. That was, <laughs> that was Mark Driscoll and Mark Driscoll mm-hmm. was, um, he was platformed by Hillsong when he, when he, when he ran away from his church, they were going to have him live. At, I just important detail. They were going to have him live at conference. People protested and then they just put him on video no reason to, but it does. So somebody once, somebody in some comments somewhere I was reading was like, oh, Hillsong is just a niche uh, part of evangelicalism. It doesn't represent. And I'm like, these mega churches, and there's like four that cover almost all the top worship music. It's like Elevation, yeah. Hillsong, Bethel, and I think the fourth was like Passion. And like, if you go through the last 10 years, those four dominate all of them. And Hillsong is the top one of those four in terms of the music that's played everywhere. And it's interesting that like Mark Driscoll, Hillsong, why would there be any connection at all? Not the same, do not like this is neo-reform camp. This is charismatic. Like You wouldn't assume. But like it seems like these networks are much more networked than the people in the churches even realize these big names and how they know each other, how they support each other, how they like I'm not surprised that Carl Lentz has found a new job in another church already. Like these people know each other and the big names support each other. Like there was no reason to support Mark Driscoll. He had just literally collapsed his church and was running away 
and yet they gave him a platform, which told me something about Hillsong. Like this is this is not even their crew. It's not their camp they run with. It's not their network of people. And yet, yeah, sorry. When you mentioned Mark Driscoll, that popped right. in my head. It, there's stuff that you see like <laughs> looking back, right? Like this, all the stuff that's come forward since mm. had not happened yet. Hillsong did not have the reputation it has yeah. now. But when you see them platforming somebody so corrupt who has harmed so many people and is running away and not taking accountability, in hindsight, now you look at that and it's like, oh, of course, that makes complete sense. Um, Gail, you had mentioned uh, something you saw someone write. Um, it was a, um, a comment on a post. I don't even remember where the post was. Um, you sent it I'll, to me, I think. I'll go ahead and read this comment. Um, and I, I think it was, oh, I think it was in one of those, um, like, ex-evangelical uh, groups on Facebook. Um, and somebody had uh, had posted, everyone needs to go watch this documentary series right now, and so on and so forth. Um, and this person had commented and said, yes, it was awful. But I was pleased to see a contrite and changed Carl in episode four. And props to Laura for sticking it through. A lot of people in this documentary are friends and acquaintances of mine, and it personally grieved me. What the church did to my friend Jeff was unforgivable. I will still use Hillsong music in public worship. Of course. Some of it is just me. special. Special. The yeah. sins of the founders don't necessarily extend to the musicians and the writers. I feel like we should address this too. <laughs> Remember... Hillsong occupies a very niche space in evangelicalism, yeah, and not a... all evangelical churches are in it for the money, power, or prestige. Some are truly teaching, are truly reaching others with good news through good deeds and good conversation. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. These these churches are some good ones, right? You got Hillsong propping up Mark. Just oh, there's just so much in that comment that's aggravating. As and Laura, good for her. Props to her for standing by. What? What? Like, I remember when Hillary stood by Bill Clinton, I was like, oh, that was it for me. I was like, I, I wanted to cheer her on. But I'm like, no, nope, sorry. Like, your guy abused people and you stand by your man. There's just a piece of me that just doesn't like I don't I don't understand why people cheer that on. It really, to me, sounds like you idolize marriage so much that it doesn't matter if the women in it are ignored and harmed or anything or if it's super unhealthy and toxic. And yeah, yeah. I, I that I don't get. But then it makes sense that that'd be the same person saying, I'm still going to use Hillsong music because it's special. And I've heard that from a lot of evangelicals that they're just because no matter how many things they find out about Hillsong, they're not going to depart from paying licenses to Hillsong <laughs> and using their, you know, like, this is why this you you talk about how there are good pockets in evangelicalism. How can there be when you're you're assuming you're on that good side and you're OK with continuing mm -hmm. to funnel money into yeah. organizations you acknowledge have big problems like yep. how how i i did re respond to his comment i don't know if i can find it um but he, uh essentially kind of you know pointing out um <laughs> pointing out the problems in his comment and then he went on a long, long, I mean, I didn't even bother reading most of it. It was, it was all sorts of word salad, but he did, he did end up making it kind of about himself and the pain that he suffered and so on and so forth. And then he kind of ended with, um, we shouldn't be tarring, um, the you image know, the, of Jesus, the name, of no, God. the, the musicians <laughs> and the writers of these songs, 
um, you know, just because the the founder of the church did something bad. And um, I'm like, it, it comes down to the, the same argument when people are just like, oh, cancel culture. And, and I'm like, no, we're just saying, can, can they not be working in a position? Can they not get money for doing this thing that we, that we're bothered by? Can, like, and I'm not going to give them money to continue doing the thing that is harmful. Like that's, that's what this is about essentially. Like, you know, and, and at the end of the day, also the people that were making the money off of those songs, um, were not the people who had, you know, put a ton of effort into writing those songs. Those, those lyrics and those songs were stolen by the ones who got the, the, the writing credits. So anyway, I don't think people are often aware of the details of, of the musicians when they're talking about them. They like to imagine like these people that are, you know, and they're because I don't think they realize how much free labor is behind Hillsong and how the people are getting ripped off who are actually the good ones in, in, in the stuff. The ones who are happy to not be paid because they really care about doing the right thing. How much exploitation is going on? Um, oh, man, I feel like you went in so many directions, Nate. You mentioned cancel culture. I felt like that was in the documentary. I took notes. Where was that? Brian Houston. Cancel culture will write you off, but God won't. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh. I love when corrupt people go cancel culture on it. Like, how many people has Brian... Ca- canceled throughout his but as soon as it's them as soon as it's them then it's i mean trump was like so good at always cancel culture count and he's always like talking about who they need to get rid of like it's just it's so funny how common that is with people who are villainous and who are very power hungry and who cancel other people all the time that they quickly use that and it works somehow like they know that this somehow tugs at people's hearts oh no we we know we shouldn't cancel people yeah it's like a red flag when I hear someone ranting about cancel culture. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that tells me something. Yep. Yep. So what didn't we like about this? <laughs> okay. I, I had a question specifically related to that oh, comment okay. where they, you know, they brought up, um, you know, about Carl and how they saw his redemption. And I thought about how, you know, you mentioned episode three, Janice, and how they did a good job with it. So they really did highlight in three how messed up Ryan is. And I think they might have done it in some of the other episodes. But really, like, they touched on how power hungry Brian is. They touched on how he led with an iron fist, the people he's run over, like, kind of really went into detail highlighting Brian. Brian does not come off looking good at all in this documentary. Nowhere, no how. But then you have Carl and he kind of and I've seen other people write this. That he's like a victim of Hillsong culture. And, you know, uh, Carl looks different than Brian. He looks like the guy who, you know, was harmed through it, but like the victim. And Brian looks like the bad guy. And I think a lot of people come away watching that and think, okay, so Carl, you know, we should feel sorry for the stuff he's been through. It's been hard on him. And Brian was the problem. You guys are much more familiar, Janice and Nate, with Carl. You guys are much more familiar with New York. They, they gave Carl a lot of time to talk and to paint himself how he wanted. But for people who are outsiders or who are, were not at Hillsong, New York, how would you describe the differences between a Carl Lentz and a Brian Houston? For people who just saw the documentary, like, hey, Brian's a bad guy. Carl's nice, misguided, you know, stumbled through. So what had you what have you guys seen from Carl? How would you paint him? What, how would you describe Carl Lentz? The differences between Carl and Brian are that Carl is younger 
and Carl is more charismatic. I I would say because I and, and of course I wasn't super familiar with. Uh, it's not like Brian Houston was around. From from my perspective of sort of observing a lot of this, I would say that Carl had this unique ability to make himself seem approachable. Um, Brian to me strikes me as more of he clumsy? doesn't care. He may be a little clumsier, yeah. But he like doesn't he care. doesn't seem he to doesn't... think through how he goes about things in the way Carl does. It seems like he just kind of blunders his way through things and Well, I think it's also a generational thing. Like it's like, okay, boomer. Like like yeah. Brian was not for <laughs> us. Like he yeah. wasn't no one no one wanted to be close to Brian. Like 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 I'm thinking about it now and I never I mean, I was just in a different position. Anyway, so I mean, I saw Brian backstage and whatever. So like for me, him and Carl were pretty like they they moved and operate the same. That's why I'm mm-hmm. like, no, Carl is younger and he's more charismatic. But like like it wasn't like I was backstage with Brian and he was unfriendly or he mm-hmm. was you know unapproachable mm-hmm. for me. Like like it's like yeah okay when Brian comes he has his special handkerchiefs and he needs his water and you know i'm dealing with his his body man or whatever but like yeah brian was friendly brian was he knew he he knew his job and what he had to do and yeah he's not he's very clumsy he's very awkward he's not a great speaker he's you know but this is this is his church and and again he's old so i mean he would get up there and just say crazy stuff but she'd be like uh he's old (laughs) Like yeah. he's not from here. Like and nobody's nobody's like particularly looking forward to when Brian comes, but it's also mm. like so much deference and so much respect yeah. and his honor culture, you know, and uh okay, Brian Houston, maybe he's not the greatest he's not the greatest speaker, but we gotta give him something because this church is good. Look at this church and he did this and he, you know, he picked this guy and he's so Okay, his his gift isn't speaking, but he's the leadership guy. He's the the idea man, and yeah, again, he's only here once a year. We can put up with him for you know whatever. Right, right. You know he's 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 grandpa. Ah, of course, grandpa's gonna say some silly things, but he earned it. Right, right. right. So. Yeah, yeah. And I he mean, did, he did handpick like he handpicked. Uh, Carl, but he also like I guess from the documentary for me it's news. Probably for you guys maybe not, but like to realize Laura Lenz was such a close like she was like a daughter to the Houstons kind of a thing. Like that couple looked set up from the <laughs> from the start. Which, like yeah, which you know uh, listen, Laura's not gonna listen, but if she does. I do not care for Laura Lenz. Like and it's nothing initially it was nothing personal because there's nothing to be personal about because Lori Lenz, to me, blank, non-factor. Just She's just there contributing nothing, but not particularly doing anything harmfully. Like, she's just there. Whatever. But for me, I mean, I I have a lot of empathy for Laura. Like, I, I would not, I do not envy her. I do not envy her, her life or any of this. But I'm like, Carl is... Uh, a schemer. He is strategic. And would he have been interested in Lorelance if it weren't for the closeness with that family? 
right? To me, that's a question. Mm-hmm. That is a question mm-hmm. on how that, mm-hmm. I mean, there. I think there was a conversation, I forget if it was Bobby Houston or somebody else, maybe it was even her parents talking about, or the, yes, Carl had confessed to her parent, her mom about some of the, the, the bad things he had done or like, you know, he'd done some crazy stuff or even his issues or with girls or who knows what. And he regretted after saying it because it ended up being uh, Laura's mom. But like, yeah, yeah. You wonder like how that all came to be because you looked at her and she was like the good Christian girl. And then he was the doing the the stuff on the side. And then all of a sudden just came out of nowhere and then boom, the whole story, you know, it just kind of went to, yeah. I don't, I also can't speak to like the whole thing cause I don't know them, but I, I can speak to, wanting so badly to believe in a changed person. I think the part that broke my heart was her saying that Carl has changed. And I hear that from a lot of people who watch the documentary about like what you quoted, Nate, it's so nice by episode four to see Carl contrite. And I don't that I have a reaction. I feel for Laura if she's taken by that. I understand what it is to convince myself of that kind of a thing. In in my 20 year marriage, I remember doing doing the exact same thing. So I'm not coming from a place. I'm so much better. It's my heart breaks at like the wanting so badly to hang on to this thought of what you were investing in and had built that even if it's the other evidence so far has, I love the expression of like, uh, you know, doubt someone's words, even doubt someone's actions, but believe and trust in the patterns. Like, I think that's a fantastic way to, to have discernment because, you know, what someone says, you can say anything. And actions can be strategic. Actions could, you can pick when you're going to be good to your wife and when you're going to in front of whom and like, you know, how you act behind the scenes versus, you know, depending on what you want and the trajectory you're aiming for. Like Carl had strategies. He did certain things on purpose. Um, the crying on cue is a great example of that. I don't I actually don't see Brian do any of the crying on cue. So I think he he's missing some of that char- charisma, even in the ability yeah. to like, turn on the waterworks Carl could just do that really like get people's heart you know sucked into it so I, I felt for her in, in that moment but I, I feel like Laura in some sense reminds me of the people who are very nostalgic about Hillsong still after everything that's gone down and who still buy into it I feel like yeah that desire for a redemption arc just is so so strong in, in a, that certain group of people that even if the patterns are communicating a very different message it's like no, Carl, Carl was contrite and and remorseful at the don't you guys didn't we all catch that message? It's obvious that and I think I think you said it to me, Nate, behind the scenes, like you'd have to talk to the people or maybe it was one of our friends online, the people who've had experience with Carl. They're the ones who will see through that sort of a thing and have a very different take on when they're when they're watching him talk, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I do want to read that comment then. Um one of our co- yeah co- one of our very good friends um commented on our post on facebook and wrote uh the way the producers of this documentary clearly got played by an expert bullshitter illustrates why giving quote unquote both sides equal footing when dealing with an abusive manipulator will fail every time in critical thinking terms it's a fallacy to give a known liar and their victims the same level of credibility What they should have done was believe the victims and center their stories and include survivors in the editing process for any footage they include of Carl because those with experience with his brand of gaslighting who have learned to recognize it are better equipped to refute his bullshit. 
Outsiders will fall for it almost every time. Even professionals who are trained in abuse dynamics more often than not fall for the abuser's narrative because gaslighting is extremely effective. Yeah. I mean, there's. I remember you saying, Nate, that the, the scene that the scene they cut away to Carl where he looks at the camera and he goes, look at these tears. Is it fake? And he points to yeah, his eyeball. So, real quick. That was um, Janice. You probably remember this uh, back in 2014 or 2015. Uh, Nightline did a special on Hillsong NYC. Um, and <laughs> I remember I was actually it was right around the time I first started attending. So it must have been 2014. And I was standing in line um, and the camera showed up. And they started, you know, doing the whole like man on the street interview type thing. You know, what what draws you to this place or whatever? And that special aired on on ABC. And Carl did the whole. You can't fake who you are. You are who you are. So if who everybody on our. Who are you? I love people. Yeah. Tell me what's up. I really want to have you know the same heart for people that Jesus did. And then he after. A moment, he turns and he looks at the camera and, you know, he's got the tears falling down his eyes and he goes, Don't show this, Byron. This is fake. (laughs) It's all for show. (laughs) It's wild that I look back on that. Having just been forced to resign from a church by an executive pastor who could do that, who could cry on cue, and he had cried in my office when when he you know when he made you resign when he and made acted me resign. like he was so sorry about you leaving yeah and i remember feeling so uncomfortable by that moment but it it didn't click it did like it didn't click for me that this was calculated that this was you know and and maybe maybe he didn't consciously do that but it was it's like a mechanism that that he uses in order to deflect from what he's doing um, and make the emotion about something else, right? You know, I remember that 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 old pastor of mine up on stage without fail, every time he preached, every sermon, at some point during the sermon, he would start crying. And it became a running joke amongst a couple of a couple of the staff members like Steve's preaching. Get ready for the waterworks. And it's not an uncommon thing. I've seen pastor white white men do this in like it seems to be a thing that and and I for me, it sends up red like when people say cancel culture, it sends up a red flag for me when I see a white guy start turning on waterworks in his sermon. There's a piece of me that gets very skeptical because I've seen how that gets used and how it gets played out and the manipulation aspect of it. I've seen it so many times that it's like, oh, like if I didn't know the person now, I'd just be like, oh, I kind of feel like I know you. I've seen you before. <laughs> um, but you you were saying that he, he was different. Carl was not your old pastor. You had seen that happen before, but you got taken by it initially when he did the whole, does this look fake? The first time you saw it, you were like, oh, he's sincere. He cares. And now it's harder where you're sitting now because you've you've seen it play out and you have a different opinion. Yeah. Tears are disarming, which is why I think they're often used as a weapon by narcissists and man- manipulators. Uh, yeah. So the documentary, though. <laughs> he did it a few times. 
throughout that documentary. Like that was Dateline footage that they that they flashed yeah. back to. But then throughout the documentary at many different points, he turned on the waterworks. Janice, what was that how, like? What was going through your mind um, when you saw <laughs> when you saw him being interviewed and, and the, the stuff he was saying? Um, well, which which episodes? Because, oh, right. Yeah, again, for the first two, it looked like, oh, they're doing this juxtaposition. And I was like, oh, in some ways, this will be the closest I ever get to a conversation, a confrontation with him on some of this stuff. Um, and it, I don't know, like thinking about it now. So, like, I, I haven't seen any, <laughs> I was like, I have properly curated my feed and I have, but I haven't seen any, any pro lents anything um nobody nobody in my timeline is is selling that and yeah i just so many of my followers and the people who are commenting are people who see through it um so i don't you know believe it or not, i don't go looking for trouble i don't go like i don't go into other people's things so like at this point me with evangelicalism i'm like they can have it i don't I actually don't care what they think i expected that like the people who were going to be pro lens and pro marriage and he's contrite they were going to be that anyway yeah. Yeah. so like doesn't even matter um so even like you know oh should we be giving liars equal time i'm like it's not even about that it was equal i'm fine i'm fine with them being interviewed if you're actually going to push back if you're actually going to ask follow-up questions like you know what happened with with the queer community what happened with with race it happened there's nothing we can do about that now but to have him just sit there unchallenged like mm -hmm. this is this is how you treated queer like he they didn't even ask him they didn't ask him anything about the treatment of queer people like that was my commentary like no that's kind of that's what you kind of get with christianity you know whatever but they didn't ask him anything about that and even with you know the race stuff he and then and again that's when I'm like well are they were they trying to make him look bad or did they think did they think that was fine and did they think that was a good answer you know with him no i think that we did better we did that was one of the things we did best on you know so watching that i'm like well they none of this is new <laughs> you know you can i'm sure you can hear my story i may probably on this podcast but definitely on other ones we're like that's literally the last words to me we're you're not going to find anywhere else we're doing better at this than anyone else you're not going to find what you're looking for like so i'm like he has nothing about his his scripting his line has changed like so none of this is surprising to me right. this is exactly what he's been saying the whole time so what is disturbing and what makes this not a good idea is that you aren't pushing back on any of this. Right. Like you're just letting him talk. And it's right. not that. Again, I'm fine with him talking, but like this is this is supposed to be your job. Like your your you know, when I email you and you email me back and say, no, no, we're just trying to do something fair and balanced. It's not then ask him fair yeah, and balanced then, questions. Exactly. Like, I'm fine with you talking to him. But again, we're not trying to be part of his redemption arc. So if you are going to do this, good. Yeah, if you're going to hold his feet to the fire, we'll thank you for it at the end. Be like, oh, we didn't, you know, we were nervous about it, but but you did that. So it's just letting him stick to his script. And also, that could also be fine. 
if you are just showing him for what he is. Right. Again, the problem comes in episode four when now you have just taken everything that he has said and now now we're redeeming him. And now, oh, he's he's paid for what he's done and all that really matters is his marriage and, you know, everything right. is fine right. now. Which was the thing you had brought up on your social media even prior to this coming out, that like at the end of the day, the whole point of all of this, right? The, the, the infidelity in his marriage was the spark, but that's not ultimately what our concern with Carl Lentz was about. Whatever happens between him, his wife and the supermodel he had an affair with, that's their business. None of us give a shit. What we cared about was how he was treating the people and the culture that he created in his church, the things that he needs to answer for. Look, and I get it, right? Evangelical culture is going to be all up in arms over infidelity in marriage because they're so pro-marriage. And look, not we're not anti-marriage here. We're just... Well, we're, they're not pro-healthy marriage. They're yeah. pro-staying together no matter what. They're pro-institution, right. but not the people in a marriage. And that's not even true either because they're, they're pro white man redemption and that's mm. it because we would still be here still having this same conversation if laura had left him and yeah. then his story would just be oh i made a mistake and now i'm trying to be a better man and i couldn't make my marriage work but that's on me and i've learned that lesson and he would have just as much support like it's not about it's not about marriage it's just about we cannot we cannot have a bad white man we right. just cannot. Right. So however this goes, him being contrite and him saying he messed my bad on that, that's it. Right. That's fine because white men must be forgiven. Yeah. They have to. That is something important to take note of, of how how much effort gets put into redeeming Carl. Like I'm thinking of of Black Hill Song pastors who have fallen from grace and I don't see anyone <laughs> trying to put them back into positions of power. I don't yeah, I'm not hearing that story going on, but white men in positions of power, there's always that redemption narrative. I I liked what you were saying, Janice, about or I'm thinking through I listened to your podcast episode, I guess before it came out and you we were um, you know, you could kind of take taken a break for a bit from from your God is not given and you came back and you right before it dropped. And so you're kind of speculating, you know, going into it. And you had mentioned like, yeah, I expect evangelicals are gonna, you know, want a redemption arc. And you, you know, you're you you kind of said what you were saying here about, you know, just not being surprised if evangelicals want to eat up or would redeem Carl. Mm -hmm. But you're kind of like, this has this organization, this secular group has no investment in evangelical culture. There is no reason to prop them up. So I think there was a hopefulness there of that, that possibly they would take a different, a more hard hitting direction. And then you guys both mentioned like challenging them with asking the real questions. I'm wondering what are the questions that you wished they would have asked instead because they didn't do it. What, what needed to be pushed back on? Do you think, what would you wish that you could just grab the mic and be like, all right, Carl. So. <laughs> I mean, honestly, a follow up to anything. And like, and it's so hard to, it's so hard to say, because I'm also sitting here with knowledge that not everybody has, like having read the investigative report. And so like, I'm, <laughs> it's like, you just know too much. So even 
I understand. I understand why people feel empathy for Laura Lentz. But then I know this was not Carl's first affair. This is not the first like this is so so I know as soon as they start talking and they start laying out this version of events, they're lying. They're mm. lying and they're selling a story that is not real. Is the infidelity real? Yeah. Do women get hurt over infidelity? Yeah. Has Laura Lentz been hurt over infidelity? Yeah. Was it in October of 2020? No. <laughs> no. Was she gobsmacked by this? Maybe this instance, but like, you know, oh, my wife, a flawless character, and I would never want her. What? My guy? Oh, oh, okay. So we're just pretending. And maybe. Maybe the director doesn't know to ask this follow-up question, but then, director, you've done a bad job because this investigative yeah. report is out there. And if right. you, ha- you haven't gotten a hold of that, what have you guys been doing this whole and, time? And it's not like people haven't been talking about it. It's You don't have to scratch that far beneath the surface to find out there's a report about the culture that Carl Lentz created at Hillsong NYC that even Hillsong's lawyers who conducted the investigation said, you all have a problem on your hands. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you don't have to dig that far to find that. So I don't know what this production team was doing, where they were looking. Look, even the the Discovery Plus documentary that basically handled this whole story with with kid gloves, even their, like, follow-up, six months later or nine months later episode, they talked about that. And they had a, I think they had a podcast series where they, they went into that, um, that report. Yeah. That's actually where I heard the details of that report. More of them was from that podcast. Right. Yeah. And Noemi's podcast talks about it. So like the information is, is out there. And if you are mm -hmm. good journalists, you should have, you should have had this. So even right. if we're going to pretend like you guys don't know, and it's so that's when I'm wary of the whole thing. Cause I'm like, you, you're, they're lying and you're letting them lie. You know, right. they're lying. And even if, even if you don't, uh, we didn't, we didn't, we don't know that he had affairs before. Okay. But you know, you know, that report said she punched her two to three times and you know, it said it was in a different location and you know, like all these other mitigating circumstance effect like they are they are only admitting to the things that people already know if that punching incident wasn't in that report and people didn't already know about it they wouldn't have said anything anything. about it so they're only admitting to things that people already know they're giving the simplest cleanest most you know pro them versions of the story and nobody is pushing back on anything so to ask, like, what what would you have wanted them to ask? I would have wanted them to ask anything. But once anything. they didn't, then I'm like, oh, no, this is this isn't for real. Yeah. And now I feel stupid for being a part of this. I feel mad because eh, I've been here before and that's fine. And I'm going to, I'm going to rip this apart on social media and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. But you got people who hadn't told their story before, Mm -hmm. who wrestled with this, 
who have been torn up and anxious about this coming into you got them, you took their stories, sidelined them, you know, took them out and then betrayed them. This was this was a betrayal. And for me, like knowing, oh, some people got involved in this or felt comfortable with it because I was involved. Because I said yes, because I vouch for this. So now you've made me complicit in something again. Yeah. All of all of what you said. I will say, not that you are the type of person that feels like this kind of care, but you you do care about people and you do care about what you're leading people into. But your response to all of this, the way that you've handled yourself on social media, look, as part of the reason why I responded to the the producer's email was because I knew that you had been involved, right? I, I trust you and I, I trusted you then and I still trust you now. Um, and a lot of that is because you always respond well after the fact because you couldn't have known. None of us mm-hmm. knew. None of us mm-hmm. knew going in because the things that we That's were sold. That's not how it was presented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not how it was presented. And back then, it was probably a different project than how it ended up. Yeah, they didn't. They probably out. didn't have Carl Lentz at the time, so it probably maybe would have been a victim story if they couldn't get. And who knows? Maybe if they got enough victim story, they used that to leverage against Carl. Like, okay, here's a direction we could go. We have this much testimony from this much people, or you could also decide to come in and yeah. say your piece. I think and this is this is my theory. Of what 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 happened behind the scenes? Obviously, everybody wanted to talk to Carl Lentz, um, mm-hmm. and you know we're playing we're playing word games, right? No, I was not paid for my participation in this. I didn't, you know, whatever. Yes, nobody wrote a check out to Carl Lentz that said to Carl Lentz for appearing in this documentary. However, I'm sure he probably has a production company, a shell company, or whatever was paid through that and was probably just paid licensing, right? Mm. Got all these photos and all these footage and stuff we haven't seen of the Lens family before. So like there's ways to pay people for their appearance and say it's not it's not for your appearance. So mm-hmm. Carl and Laura need money. They need the attention. And I think they need the sympathy after I think, everything I don't that even went think, down. I don't even think they care about that. I think they did it for the money and just and just to get out there. And I also think that the production company hooked this big fish and gave up too much power. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure that the lenses, whatever there it was in their contract, I think they just got hamstringed. Like I think I think they got played. I think they signed them up, made <laughs> made a deal with the devil, just made too many allowances. Because I like I have to like I don't think, you know, I want to believe, you know, the director is not a shitty person that when it came down to it, that her hands were just tied and she wasn't yeah. allowed to push back on them. Hmm. Couldn't ask follow up questions, like just really had to stick with whatever their stipulations were. And then what do you what do you do with that? Like, <laughs> right. this is all you have. And this is all they're going to sign off on. And you've paid however much to get them yeah. here. And this is this is your, your big fish now. So this is their project now. Yeah. 
This is Michelle from Tulsa, Oklahoma. You're listening to Full Mutuality. Are you an alumnus of an evangelical college or university? Or have you ever wondered what attending or working at one of those schools is like? The Chapel Probation Podcast brings you the stories from students, faculty, and administration who experienced all the racism, the queer phobia, the misogyny, and purity culture weirdness that are kind of the hallmarks of these schools. I'm Scott Okamoto, author of Asian American Apostate, Losing Religion and Finding Myself at an Evangelical University, which tells my story of teaching English at an evangelical school and realizing I didn't believe in God or the Bible anymore. I created Chapel Probation as a compliment to my book, but this podcast has become its own community of people who have stories of hurt and pain and stories of triumph during and after their time at evangelical schools. Some of the guests you've probably heard of, but most of them you probably haven't. But all the stories are incredible examples of surviving Christian schools and finding ourselves. You can find Chapel Probation wherever you listen to podcasts, and I hope you'll join us. Carl should be, like, as 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 the lead pastor of Hillsong NYC, as somebody who's traveling around the world speaking at random churches, and the amount that Hillsong charges for their honorariums, how on earth is Laura not a stay-at-home mom? What, like, what is she doing? What is and, she doing? Because the other thing, too, is, okay, um, the other stuff aside... She's reading the magazines we, on how, how to know your guys right, cheating. Yeah. It's a lot of, we, so many books. But we never over. saw her. She no. was also our pastor, supposedly as equally as Carl was, but we never but saw her. But she didn't her. know that the church was more than just a building back then. Now oh, she yeah. does. Yeah. But like, that's another thing that, that, that bothers me. There's this whole story about, you know, Carl sleeping with the nanny and, and then her punching the nanny and then, you have a nanny. Like, it's a nanny, and also the nanny. The nanny is a, is pastor. a pastor. She's married to and the another nanny pastor. And another, watching her kids, so she can watch. Carl's and then, kids. like, it didn't even. It just occurred to me earlier this week talking to someone. I'm like, oh, blah blah whatever. But I'm like, wait a minute. Tiff came back and went to Boston. They lived in freaking Boston. Tiff is watching your kids in Boston, and you are in New Jersey. <laughs> what like it's not like you all just lived right. in the same like you are literally a state two states away and she two three states away and for she what? and she uprooted her life in new york to go nanny somebody she was she uprooted her life in boston like, why, to, why? to serve for a church in boston for a pastor who was living Working in new, in new jersey. jersey her husband is just like yes go do this and after finding or out even, all that went down even if Leona is just, you know, an innocent little dove, just, just I don't know anything that's happening. If Carl is doing this and he's a pastor, aren't you wondering what Josh is doing? Like, if you think this is okay, if this is how pastors operate, you can't help but have a dysfunctional marriage because right. you're either assuming, I guess that's what Josh is doing, too. Good, good luck, Tiff. <laughs> Right, right, exactly. Now you've got Tiff working there. The other thing too that that like, so you have this then all sorts of questions about Josh now because 
if you know, there's no way that given given the breadth of what um, Leona wrote on Medium, there's no way that that conversation wasn't had prior to that post going up. Why is Josh still working for Hillsong at this point? His wife is a sacrificial lamb. Does he really care what she's doing behind closed doors as long as he keeps his position for being quiet? The guy knows the script. He knows what he's supposed to do. He doesn't care. It's not, it's, these people are, yeah, they're not about... The, the, but then the, that's why it's so hard to talk about it because it's like I know I know too much. I know Leona was miserable and cried when you know they were told they had to go to had to go to Boston. Yeah, I know Leona didn't want kids at all and definitely didn't want the second one. So yeah, she doesn't want to be at home. Right. Like I know the lenses can't have an outsider as their nanny because they're doing all kinds of stuff like they are not good people and they can't have some regular person who still looks up to them and would be shocked or who would sell the story you know to whoever like mm. these are dysfunctional people doing dysfunctional things all the time yeah i think i think the sexual abuse thing that upset me about the whole thing and with him bringing it up is that this idea that hurt people hurt people like they're dysfunctional people. Yes. But a lot of people who have been harmed don't go mm -hmm. doing like this cannot be sexual abuse. Survivor cannot be your card for harming right. other people and saying this happened in my past. Cue tears. And now like anything that I did to anyone that we've just talked about is explained away because guess what? I didn't, I didn't rape anyone. I didn't right. do that to anyone. And right. a third of women are sexually assaulted and we're, we can't use that car to harm people. Like, why does right. he get a... Yeah. Mm, yeah. That, that's mm -hmm. the part. When he started telling a sexual ass assault story, the part of me that was just like, it feels like this is being used to justify and excuse and explain away. Like, that's what it feels like it's serving. Because there are people who've gone through being harmed as a kid who... And, like, how is Brian Houston now the bad guy and you are the victim? Because... Brian was brought up by a pedophile mm -hmm. dad. And like they say, mm -hmm. you know, Carl was planted in rotten soil. That line got thrown out there. So was Brian planted right. in rotten soil. Anyone right. can use that as if we're going to look at the statistics, anyone can use that card of I was damaged from someone else. That's why I went and therefore I'm off the hook. But for some reason, Brian is the villain in this documentary. Carl is he's he's a, he's a but even of, again, like no, no follow up, no pushback on anything. So then when he's talking about, you know, Oh, I go to I go to therapy now, right? So, you know, and the therapist is like, Yeah, okay, pray out there, but no, we're gonna come in here and deal with the real issues. Well, let's talk about what do you believe about therapy and prayer? Mm -hmm. What does that say for all the people? What there are a lot of people in your church who could use therapy. How are you helping them? Mm -hmm. What what do you say to the people who need mental health assistance yeah. now because of the experience in your church? And you can't pretend like, <laughs> oh, no, I, I had this issue and this issue and this is why this was happening. And this was this and I was I was a bad person. Blah, blah, blah. You can't pretend like I was only unhealthy in my marriage, but I was killing it at church. Like <laughs> that was going great. And it's just my marriage that suffered. Like we're here on this documentary because we were talking about these things long before your marriage fell apart. Like, again, none of us cared about that. So, but no questions, no questions about what about the people you left behind? Laura, you're sitting here crying tears because my, my pastors, they abandoned me. They turned on me. Yeah. 
we think did. about yeah. that and the yeah. people who are more than a building now surprise that you know surprise <laughs> we've been out here you since 2017 me since 2017 a lot of people since 2020 2021 2022 when the when the discovery plus documentary hit we've all been out here we all experienced it it's not news to us when that news dropped about Carl, sure, you know, you and I left around the same time. So it would have been another three years before the news about Carl dropped. But it's not like you and I looked at that and said, oh, that's shocking. Like we, neither of us were shocked by it. Sure, we were like running through all of the things in our, in our minds and like justifying some stuff and thinking through our interactions with him. And and yeah, there were, there were certain things facets about the story that made us pause and but I, I think a lot of it is is attributable to the kind of culture that exists in Hillsong I, I don't know if you felt this way I think I think you might have voiced this at one point I know I felt this way but there was a part of me that thought mm, this feels very convenient like Carl and Brian were at odds and <laughs> it was yeah. not about the affair because no. there's been affairs before. Like, and it, there will there have been affairs Zach. before. There are affairs happening now. There will be affairs. Yeah. And as long as you are useful to the brand, they will cover it up yep. and keep you covered. Yep. Yep. Somebody sent me a link to someone giving their testimony about Redemption Church and about the cover ups of abuse that have happened. This girl was telling her story and she was. Redemption Church like or, or Transformation Church, the, the new Transformation one. Transformation okay. Church, yeah, the one Carl has gone to. They have a history of, someone was telling their story of how the pastor at that church currently handled her scenario and what they did. And it's it's his buddies that are in the leadership that were doing the harm. Mm, and now course. he has Carl come in and I'm just like, oh, shoot. Like, of course. Yeah, birds right? of a feather. Like, it's all, that's, it's all, it's all dirty. Yeah. Because again, why are you guys hiring this man? Like, even if you believe, no, he was a good soul and whatever, he did nothing to stand up to this corrupt system. No. Mm -hmm. And that's that's apparently what you're looking for. Right. That's like, what and you're again, because for. he has said nothing, you know, he alluded again, he just alludes to all these things. Yeah, to you know my wife. But, you know, you get married, you get married too young and blah, blah, blah. So let's have a conversation about purity culture. Mm -hmm. Is it possible for people to get married too young? What happened there? What do you think people should do? But we can't say any of that because you need to make a living in this world and you're going back to it. And you all have to pretend the same thing so you can all keep doing the same thing and keep abusing people and covering for each other. Yeah. yeah. Nate brought up the other documentary, at least went to Wave Church and showed what the right. crappy teachings he was teaching. He acts a bit of like an outsider to what was going on in this documentary. Like he was kind of being pulled and the stuff was swirling around him, but not that he was an active participant in the harmful stuff. But then you look at like the teachings, like if he wants to go on about how he got married too young, what was he teaching about purity culture in his? Yeah, what was he doing at Wave Church? How was he handling people who were, yeah. Yeah. The thing that drove me nuts, Carl's direct victims were never given a voice in here and people who were victimized by the system that he perpetuated their stories about what Carl had done were distanced from, from Carl's direct influence. So he, he's not, he isn't implicated in any of this. The only thing that he's implicated in, in this documentary is in his affair uh, with the model 
That's <laughs> because Carl's only victim yeah. was Laura Lenz. Yeah, that's how it feels like in this. So she in, did in get thing. to speak. Yeah. We that's, heard from her. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, the, at, at least, you know, with the with the Discovery Plus documentary, they went and they they talked to people at Wave Church who were um, who had been victimized by Carl and his teachings, you know. But I think <laughs> someone left a comment and they're like, oh, the only <laughs> so the only the next documentary like like God is not given should produce the next. Documentary. <laughs> I think I saw that comment and I'm like, <laughs> no, I think we're done with that. Like, I think. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, it's a tricky, it's a tricky, you can't just say anything in a documentary and like, whatever, it's a lot right. of work, right? whatever. Yeah. I'm like, no, I think we all have our platforms and like, I can't wait to write some more sketches, write a short film about this, like, write, tell the story, tell the truth, but put humor on it, mm -hmm. put, you know, something that they can't refute. It's not about you. Right. This is... This is just a story. Like, you know, all the documentaries put together, <laughs> they add up to something mm -hmm. good, um, something useful. Yeah. But yeah, there are just other platforms and other ways. And we just can't, we just can't, we just cannot count on power to check itself yeah. at any level. Like, I thought we'd be safe with the, with the seculars, but they got bamboozled yep hey everyone i'm jessica from the leaving the village podcast i wanted to take a moment to say thank you for tuning into this show we're so grateful that you've decided to spend your time with us seriously dan gail kathleen nate scott and the rest of us here at the dauntless media collective couldn't produce content like the show you're listening to without your support i'd also like to invite you even further into the conversation Right now, there are some great discussions happening over in the Dauntless Media Collective Discord server. If you're interested in chatting with other folks who are deconstructing and decolonizing the oppressive traditions they came from, please feel free to hop onto the server. If you don't know what Discord is, it's a place where communities can gather online for chatting on a wide variety of topics. In our Discord server, we have channels devoted to general deconstruction conversations, some meme sharing, therapeutic venting about whatever religious bullshit you're currently dealing with, and even a channel specifically devoted to talking about the latest episode of the podcast you're listening to right now. I hope you'll join us. You can log in directly to the Dauntless server by clicking on the link in the show notes or heading to dauntless.fm and clicking on the link in the top banner. See you there. You wrote a really um, powerful open letter to the director. I think we'll throw that into our show notes for people who want to read it. We recommend people go check that out. But just I wanted to just flip back to something you said, Nate, about how, you know, you trust Janice. Even after this, I know you feel a sense of responsibility, Janice, but I just want to echo Nate like, yeah, he trusts you for a reason. Even after the fact, we all don't we all get played at different times by people trusting people um, that happens. And you know, how you respond when you see that people have been sidelined, when you see how things go down, you're not afraid to acknowledge, oh, I was wrong. Oh, I actually am not happy how this turned out. No, this is not what I signed up for. And that makes a difference, too. You know, um, I'm not sure where I heard you say it or like I've been reading your Instagrams, too. But somewhere, I've, I, maybe it was in the open letter, maybe it was somewhere else. But you mentioned like, this is the start of the survivors telling their stories, you know, and looking for the positives in this. 
if people who do want to know and maybe watch the documentary and, and want to look up the names or find out more can and they can listen to the stories that are not told. They can take the time to to dig into the different people who started you know, you started down a path. I'm sure you said a lot more that wasn't included. I mean, I've heard so many of the different stories, you know, l- the length, the length of your versions that it, and how they've been cut up through that. And I know you can find them, you can find them online. And I think that is that is probably one of the pluses is just giving attention to this so that people who do care can take the time to dig, can take the time to learn from it. Do not expect, uh, you know, the documentary to be the end all be all of the learning. It is sensational. It is marketed for the masses and it's an incomplete story. And take the time to listen to the actual people who were there. I think, sorry, I have to say this, the, the most aggravating line from the documentary that really got me ticked off was and I don't know why like I can't even imagine why they did this like trying to imagine them sitting around and throwing the different pieces they want to cut and edit together and they just cut to this guy who's like I think Carl Lentz has more than paid for what he's done or something like did I say that right I think Carl has no I wrote it down I think Carl has paid for what he did that's the exact words I did write it down and and I'm just like wait you were this dude was not at was not at Hillsong New York he didn't get affected by anything Carl did. Nothing impacted his life, but he's going to get on now after we've watched Carl give his speech and heard the, and now he's going to tell us, like literally feed us a conclusion that we're supposed to come to about who Carl is and what he's gone through and how we're supposed to feel about it. And I just found that like, don't please don't tell the people who lived out Hillsong, New York that he's Paid how? Paid through what? Is it just paid because his marriage suffered? Like, again, like you said, we don't care. It's Your marriage is your own business. But like, what has he done to pay? What has he? You brought this up, Janice. He talked the line where he said, the only people that matter are these. Was he say these five? Was it three kids and mm-hmm. his wife? No, these four people. Right? These, four. Are, these are the people that matter. Yeah, mm-hmm. these four. These four. And it's literally just his family, his kids and his wife. That's it. And like, what? And then, and I've seen you guys putting this up with a picture of your group, including those who've been cut out who were interviewed. And it said, the people we care about. And it's you guys, it's, it's the survivors. It's the ones who's, who were bumped out for Carl. But like, yeah, like he, what has he done to, re, what has he done to pay for the wrongs he has done against the people who suffered at Hillsong? Not his wife, not his, we're not talking about those things. We don't care. But how has he paid with regards to making amends with like, have you guys heard any? Do you have any friends at Hillsong who have a lovely story to tell that like the news doesn't know about how he has paid for harm done to them specific? Like, does anyone have these stories? That's kind of the beauty of this whole thing. Like, again, I. It's been good for me to like realize just how how much I do not care about the evangelical world anymore. Like, again, y'all were going to believe him anyway. This. This documentary is frustrating, not because I don't I don't think it helped him. I don't think it helped them. Um, again, the people who were going to die on that hill were going to die on that hill anyway. I don't think outsiders like just regular, regular, secular people, they didn't come off. The lenses didn't come off looking good. Like if anything, like this this documentary was extremely boring. Like who cares about some random person's marriage and 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 if we're sticking with their story one of two affairs in like a six month like who cares who cares so 
to the outside world, this is not a draw. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing here. And then to Exvangel, like, people see through him. Like, there's nobody <laughs> exvangelical. There's no ex Hillsonger who was already annoyed with Carl again. Not because of his marriage, because of this, 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 and this. None of them are like, oh, now I understand. And I'm so happy his marriage is is fine. <laughs> like I think it was it so wasn't good to see him come around in episode four. Yeah, like I think I think ultimately I think the documentary had no effect. Um, it didn't change anyone's mind. Like it just it just put people it just strengthened everyone's position. Yeah. So whatever you came in thinking, whatever team you were on, you stayed on that team. Yeah. Like and nobody. There may be some people who were pro lens and were like, uh, actually, I don't know. I don't know. He didn't. They're not looking that great. Yeah, because at the end of the day, that like, like looking back on that last episode and how that all wrapped up, it just it makes the it makes the documentary look stupid more than anything else. Because if I like it's impossible for me to put put myself into into the shoes of an outsider. But I'll make an attempt. If I'm sitting here watching this documentary as an outsider and I see all of these things happen and I see these people telling their stories, th this guy, Carl, because there's all this footage of Carl getting up and preaching. He's got crowds of thousands of people. There's footage of him like walking the streets, hanging out with Justin Bieber. Clearly, he's an influential guy. He's got a lot of power in this circle. So then he's done things and and there are these people that are telling their stories who let's say I've been in a church and I've been, you know, part of a church as this outsider. And I know that, okay, the pastor is a powerful person. They have a lot of influence. They they kind of control the ins and outs of the church. So that must be Carl's role at this church. Therefore, these people who are telling their stories and and talking about they're talking about a culture that was run by this guy why is none of that being talked about now i want to know and if i'm like one of those documentary junkies then i'm like googling and i'm searching and i'm finding all the podcasts like ours like yours <laughs> but but seriously though i think i think you're right i think this doesn't this doesn't really help the lenses i think they just wanted an opportunity. Carl specifically wanted an opportunity to get his face back out there, um, to to climb the ladder, maybe to make make it more palatable. His new job at at Transformation Church, and and if people see some kind of redemption story, maybe. <laughs> but like even even that, like I'd be so I'd be so fascinated to find out the timing of everything right. because in the documentary, you know, he's pretending to have this this day job. <laughs> Um, in that in that beautiful leopard print, what the hell? Low V neck. So he, what did you? He's pretending. Me. He's pretending. He's you know returned to the real world and oh, an advertising. I've been selling the gospel. Blah blah blah. Whatever. And now he's he's back in evangelical world. And like this is not this is not going to be helpful for them. Like this is just going to bring up more questions about who is this guy. And he looked like he looked like fucking Joe Exotic from Tiger King. Sorry. Yeah. So he's like, so he's this ridiculous person. <laughs> yeah. And for me, I was like, the only way 
even like it's annoying that they painted this, you know, about his marriage because that makes if you're gonna buy their storyline and we're all butt hurt over <laughs> he cheated on his wife and that was just distressing <laughs> to me. So we all look like idiots. Right, so oh right. my god, look at these bunch of dum dums. And I'm fine with that. He's not gonna look better than us. So then we right. all we just all look dumb yeah. to, to outsiders, and that's fine. That's fine. But I don't like I'm like it's it's a it's a rough, awful triumph for us, but in a way it is because I'm like we all look better than Carl Lentz. Mm-hmm. We all look healthier, happier. The only way he might look like a victim is just like all these people seem to be doing well, right? And we have we've left, we've left evangelicalism and we, it hasn't been easy and our lives aren't perfect, but we left it and we're fine without it. Carl Lentz has had to crawl back to it. Carl Lentz could not make it in the real world. So like they can put up their facade, they can do whatever, but you've had to go back to that world. You couldn't make it out here. And that's part of the reason why they can't they can't push you on anything. They can't ask you how do you really feel about the queer community? Right? Because that's not going to work for that world. Mm-mm. You even you're not you're not even oh we're going to say Brian Brian is bad blah 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 whatever. But we're not investigating the system like even if you're going to pretend it was all Brian and he Whatever. Like, I don't know. It's like his his narcissism just won't even allow him. Because I'm like, you had an out. You could have said, you know what? They're right. I did not do good on the race thing. But it wasn't mm-hmm. my fault. I wanted to, but Brian wouldn't let me. Right. You could have put all that on him, but you couldn't even do that. You said, no, I think we did great. So what what do you think you didn't do good at Hillsong? Right. Right. You have not you have not acknowledged anything. Mm -hmm. And so now you've gone back to that world. And again, this is this is going to be awkward for you, Transformation Church, because what is this guy doing? He's not in ministry. He's a consultant. consultant. (laughs) He's he's we're talking to him about strategy. Are you trying to end your church? What is he strategizing? (laughs) Like like he said in the documentary, I'm good at advertising because I've been advertising Advertising the gospel gospel. for quite a while. (laughs) That was his like pitch on what he does. And I was just like, is this the kind of gospel that people like this is? This is really what you want to pitch him as his strength, and like, so like and what you said this, about none of this is going to age well for him. Like no. this, this is only this was only this was bad. This was propaganda, and it was bad propaganda. Again, it is only going to work on the people it was going to work on. Yeah. Anyway, no one did a good job here, so this is just going to make like this. It's not going to age well. We're going to look back on this when he falls again because he will. Like even the whole thing with, you know, yes, uh, yeah, that was on me and the power dynamics. I acknowledge the power dynamics were off, but this was a consensual affair. He literally said it wasn't abuse. I deny that it was and abuse. So even, and so even in that, that's why I'm like, there's nothing, there's, you're, you're. So how are you taking responsibility? How are you, he said, because, I take responsibility. It but wasn't not. abuse. And then that how? says to me, because what, what is, what is the worst case scenario? You're trying to sell this as you are Mr. Contrite and I'm sorry and whatever. So what it, what does it harm you to say, mm, 
I thought it was consensual. I realize now that the power dynamics were off. I didn't mean to be abusive, but it was. And things like this should not happen. But you can't say that. Number one, Mm -hmm. because you want to, you're going to do it again. Mm -hmm. And you Mm -hmm. want to leave that door open for it to be okay. Number two, you know people who have done it, are doing it right now, and will continue to do it, who you want to work with, who you want to stay in ministry circles with. Yes. And you cannot compromise that. So like this, that's that's the biggest disappointment to me, I think, with this whole thing. You were you were supposed this was supposed to be this survivor narrative. And even if you didn't want to personally attack Carl Lentz, you didn't even make him interrogate the system. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't hold his feet to the fire for anything. So you didn't, you did not, you didn't look at the undertow. Yeah. You didn't because a follow up question. Well, if the power dynamics are off, how is that not abuse? Isn't that, mm-hmm. isn't that abusive? Shouldn't that mm-hmm. not happen? Right. You say you take responsibility. How? Right. What does that look like in your situation? But he can't even do if... that because he's, he needs this world and he has yeah. to go back into it and they don't want to change it. Right. So even but now... like there's just no interrogation. Right. Now the question then becomes of the crew and why they didn't. And it like. Even if they didn't want to ask him the question, if they didn't want to follow up on that. I think they couldn't. Why, but why Why not bring in... See, this is the other thing that bugged me. You want to talk about how this was for the survivors, right? Supposedly, it was billed to us as this is going to be the, the story of the Hillsong survivors. I remember that conversation on the phone. This is going to be the survivor's story. So... Where are the survivor advocates? At least in the Discovery Plus documentary, they had, you had Mike, Boss Chavidjian, Cosper, right from 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 the right. guy who defended Mar- defended, Mark defended Mark Driscoll, Driscoll through the and whole not because Marcelo he likes podcast. Mark Driscoll, because he likes the no. system, right? This could because not. he's and, and doing he the same about, things. He talked about right. the similarities with his own church. Even this one dropping clues on how common it is, and it's like, yeah, oh dude, yeah. You 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 ran the same system as this. Of course, you don't mm-hmm. want to dismantle it. Of they course, don't want, they don't want it to change. Even that no. part where they they touched on NDAs for like a second, and then Carl is like pretending like he's you know downing, it. and then he says, "I guess what did he say? Is this? I guess it's standard for churches now. Something whatever. Like, are you kidding me? Your dad is a church lawyer." Your yeah. dad has been setting the. You know this is standard, right? They have you made right. this system. Your father has. That's another thing too that I think it, again just speaks to the fact that this was the Lent show mm-hmm. because even even the Discovery Plus documentary talked about the fact that Lentz's dad was the one that was helping write those contracts to create those LLCs yep. in the U.S. that allowed Hillsong to move money around the way they did when they opened up shop here in this country. But I love your point, though, Janice, about how, you know, he doesn't say, he says things in a way that he distances himself, so like with the NBA mm-hmm. stuff. Oh, I don't know. I guess that's just standard practice. But he did that with so many topics where people can read into it whatever they want. He doesn't, he could have said, you know, yeah, the way the queer community was handled by by uh, Hillsong, you know, I wished I could have pushed back on it more. He could have said, I don't agree with that stance. But like you said, he's still in the that's all he has is the evangelical world. He's in a church that's not yeah. going to allow him to be like, yeah, I support queer people. So he can't say that. So he literally talks out of both mo- sides of his mouth. He goes, 
yeah, people in evangelical communities, they come in and assume it's this. And then, but it's like that everywhere. He basically says, this is kind of how it goes, but he doesn't say it's bad. He doesn't say I disagree with it. He like, he leaves, he, he has, has a way no of talking. opinion on mm. anything. Yes. Yep. So if you want to think he's distancing himself from it, he says it in a tone that can be interpreted that way, but he never directly says it's problematic. He avoids saying the stuff where he would say he actually takes an issue with it because he can't do that. Otherwise, yeah. he'll close doors on him in the world that he's in. We don't make saying, blanket statements. We we have conversations. <laughs> oh, it's gosh. a case by case basis. <laughs> it's a conversation. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I And, I and mean, what's what's wild to me is the fact that um, you know, I, I look back on um, a lot of what what had gone down between Brian and Carl while I was still there and how so much of this like vague non stances on things kind of was perpetuated by Carl because Brian Houston was very willing to say, oh, we affirm the biblical stance that marriage is between a man and a woman. Carl was the one who said, uh, you know, we want to have conversations. We, we'll take it on a case-by-case -case basis. Boomer versus uh, younger yeah, evangelical yeah. Mm -hmm. who's a little more mm -hmm. sly at knowing how to get the gay people, use their talents, exploit them, for, and then mm -hmm. shut them out whenever it's no longer convenient because people know. Yeah, so, so so we we watch this thing and we, and we imagine that Carl has changed because that's what he wants us to imagine. But he's like... like like has been sort of the theme of this part of the conversation. He he speaks out of both sides of his mouth. He really constantly. has a talent to talk both ways at the same time. It's, he doesn't uh, though. He doesn't. They didn't push back on him. Like all of no, this could be cleared no, no, up no. with a simple question that was not asked. So it's not. Right. It's not. He's not a great. He's not slick. He's, he's just not, not being asked the questions. You're right. He's not good at it. He just. He's being provided yeah. the opportunity being, to stay yeah. as he's being coddled. Yeah. He's being taken mm -hmm. care of. Yeah. Because there's no way there's there's no way for him to skate out of it if they had just said, "What what is your what did where do you stand?" Because mm -hmm. you don't have to have a conversation now. It doesn't have to be a blanket right. statement. I'm not asking you about Hillsong stance. I'm asking you about yours. Right. What do you mm -hmm. believe? Right. Right. That would have been a hard hitting question. I I wanted to quickly bring up. I just the Laura had made some statements in there at the end. We know we brought it before, but. At the end of the the whole thing, she said something like, there's more to church than just a building. And I see that now. I was just a little stunned by a statement like that, that you realize just now after being out. And she said she needed she talked about how she needed to be out of it to see it, that all the time she was inside Hillsong. She didn't realize that church is more than just a building because she says, I see that now. Church is more. I'm like, how do you be a pastor's wife and be in this church and doing all these things? And you have no concept that church is more than just a building till now. Like I, so, like you said, the, they're not slick in the sense that some of the things that they and how it makes them look is just, it's awful. Like it's stuff that like they're awful. People. No one who's in that role should ever yeah. think that way. No, about the people. But that's why I'm saying like like it's. <laughs> I hated it, but then like in the long run, I'm like, no, this is. It's not great for. It's better for us than it is for them. Yeah, because. People are going to come out and they're going to they're going to look at them. They're going to look at us. 
we're clear on who we are, what we believe, mm-hmm. what we know, what we don't know. Here's what I thought. And here's what I think today. Oh, my goodness. Three weeks from now, I changed my mind. And here's what I think now. And we have that freedom to say that their world is dying. They are losing people. They're not. <laughs> their team is not getting bigger. Like more people are coming in our direction. Mm-hmm. So they are used to having. Having the money, having the power, having the attention and having people just accept their vague statements and their half beliefs and yeah. their, you know, whatever. But like, that's not enticing. Like nobody watched this and said, oh my goodness, I got to get into a church. <laughs> right. Like, get to a church. I've never, <laughs> I've never thought about Jesus before, but man, yeah. <laughs> they make it look like I got to get over there. Like nobody's right. saying that. No. If anything, people are like, ooh, yeah, I was right to stay away. Mm-hmm. And wow, okay, no, I grew up in this. Here's a bunch of people who also grew up in it. And here's a bunch of people who left. Let me go see what these people are talking about. So it it was not what it was supposed to be. But in the end, I'm like, the truth is on our side. Time is on our side. <laughs> the ultimate charisma is on our side. Like, it's just not... It's annoying because... I'm like, oh, this is just like America. Like you guys just set this, this, you set this T-ball up for him. You set this up for him to win. You just made it so easy for him. They did, but not me. I didn't, I didn't set them up for a win. You never set people up. You never set them up for a win, Nate. That's right. You deal the whole time. (laughs) They set them up for a win. They still whiffed it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But like, it's annoying that y'all made us come and sit here and be part of this. Like, you didn't need us. You didn't need us for this. You did not need us for this. And but but now <laughs> you regret it. Yeah. I promise you, you wish you wish you hadn't to come after me. Like you wish. Oh, my God, we should have left her out. Cause... <laughs> yeah, because yeah, none of us would really be talking if we hadn't have sat in those rooms. Right. We wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation right now. We would have be, be having a conversation because that was our church. But we wouldn't be having this conversation if they hadn't have reached out to us and said, hey, we want to hear what you have to say about the church that you were a part of. Right. Or even like if, you, if you're going to bring on Carl Lentz, say that up front. Yeah. Be honest about that and then let us decide. Mm-hmm. Like I think, yeah, like at the last minute. I don't I don't even remember. It might have been on camera, but it might not have been. Like I think the director was like, Oh, like if you could say anything to Carl Lentz, like what what would it be? And I don't even I think it was just like, How could how dare you? Um, but it's like you could have if you were serious about this, you could have given us time. And yeah. you you didn't have to say, Oh, we got Carl Lentz on board, but you could have said, Hey, think about it for a few weeks. And if we were by chance able to get Carl Lentz, what do you think would be some good questions? What would you want? Mm-hmm. What would you mm-hmm. want to ask? Like involve, involve yeah. people who would have the questions because maybe you legitimately don't know what you say. I don't know how you don't know. Like you spent all this time talking to all these people. I don't know. But like you could have, you could have just made this easier on yourself. Yeah. But you made the same mistake that they made and just thinking, Oh, no, we have the power here. What are these people going to do? Like, it's just a different, it's a different time. You have the platform. Yes, you you have millions of viewers. But social media is going to social media. And we're out here. 
and we get to talk back. And yeah, not as many people are going to hear us as saw that. But our audience, the people who are looking for this, Mm -hmm. they're going to find us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's an ongoing conversation. If you haven't seen it already, the documentary is called The Secrets of Hillsong. It's on Hulu in the U.S., um, distributed by FX um, in conjunction with Vanity Fair, the uh, the magazine. Go check it out, knowing what you know after hearing what we have to say. I, w- I will say I don't necessarily recommend the documentary in general, but I do recommend that you check it out to kind of see what this was all about and know that, you know, episodes one, two, and three – we're just fine. And maybe the first half hour of episode four. Um, yeah, but, I think Carl didn't start his narrative till halfway nah, through. The I think last I think episode, it was towards actually. towards the end of that was when we started to see the uh, the it what looked like somebody who works for Transformation Church was was uh, putting together a, a little highlight reel of the Lentz family. Um, but um, but yeah, anyway, so real quick, let's transition um, to to give a plug. Janice, you. Uh, as of the time we're recording this, you released, released a, book? a brand new book. You already have a book out that is fantastic. It's in a completely different genre. Um, but Scandoozalo yeah. the musical. Scandoozical the musical. Uh, yeah, you said it right. <laughs> yeah. For, I can't say it properly, but you got to meet Shonda Rhimes through that. So freaking cool. I think the longest show I've ever committed to watching was Grey's Anatomy. I didn't end up getting into Scandalous, but still Shonda Rhimes. I have lots of respect and I'm amazed that you got to meet her. And yeah, I'm just fangirling because that's pretty cool. And then from there, you have a new book out. Would you like to tell 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 the people what it is? Yeah, so it's called Grift of God. And it is an evangelical evangelical game book. So it's got some Mad Libs in there. We've got the game. Um, yeah, when I was a kid, I used to play this game, MASH. It was Mansion, Apartment, mansion, apartment Shack, Shack, House. house. Yep. Um, and you know, you just all these different categories and you go through and, you know, you see what your life is going to be. Um, there's like who you're going to marry, how many kids you're going to have, you know, whatever. So I was like, let's do the evangelical version. So it's cash. So it's like, you're, you're planting a church and this is a prophecy of how, how it's going to go. So it's like, is it going to be in a club, an arena, a school this is- or a house? <laughs> Um, to help grifters is that what you're you trying to help them (laughs) i love it and yeah so it's i don't know it's you know you speak the language and you hear these things for so long yeah no you can fill in these blanks and you can you know do whatever so the the big idea behind it is no you can you can plant a church and you can run a successful service by using this book so Mm. Yeah, don't help the bad be. guys, Janice. Should I mean, I have often said that if we were evil people, we could easily become like superstar megachurch pastors because we would know how to say all the like the terrible like just you learn the scripts and like if you want it and it's an audience that's just so ripe for like just shed yeah. a few tears, talk about forgiveness and grace when you get in trouble and like it just it works. I mean, the, the grift goes on with so many people over and over and mm-hmm. yeah. So, are you trying to help help them out? <laughs> Giving them the scripts. Where li- little little does anyone realize the the three of us are going to start a church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to be the next evangelical crew of uh, mega. It's, church it's so fun to joke about, but I couldn't. 
Ooh. We're too decent. We are. We're That's too the decent. problem. Because if you think Carl Lenz believes in no, anything, no way. You sweet summer child. Seriously, <laughs> I I do have to laugh. I know I bring it up often, but um, John Tremini with his whole the the house established. If there isn't a parody church that belongs on the righteous gemstones, it's, it's in the, the. real life in Hawaii. John Termini gives up a lucrative career in what well, I don't remember if he was in real estate or banking. And he's like, no, 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 there's more money in this. Mm-hmm. So he goes and he starts a church in Hawaii called The House Established and puts up the acronym T H E. The. the and the T in the is the. For the the. So you went to a church called Liquid, and it was like mm-hmm. uh, living water for living a thirsty water world. For a thirsty world, yep. yep. I mean, uh, you can't make this stuff up. If we were to start a bad grifting mega church, what should we call it? What kind of lame name would we give to our? <sighs> we what, what could we be? Well, there's one. There's one page in the book, and it's not like I just have these just these different just different little little tips and tricks. Um, for planting a church and one of them was like oh if you're trying to name your church like like think about what you want <laughs> I think it says you know imagine you're in a restaurant five years from now and you're leaving a track for the, as a tip for the waitress and you hear someone say oh he pastors that church like what what do you want your people to be known for like th- that's the pastor of the church of the people who blank God um, and so it's like you're looking for you're looking for a verb or an adjective and just you know the thesaurus um, and it you know and it and it's so either is probably not in it but <laughs> that's not there that's that's too advanced that's, that's, so it's like it's at a whole other advanced level <laughs> you know so yeah you're just looking for for a good a good verb um, mm. so it's like what what do you want your church to be known for. I like the idea of an acronym for a, for a church name, you know. So I, I I was sitting here going, you know what? Let's like I could imagine it, an evangelical megachurch pastor saying, "Let's let's repurpose woke," and then like come up with an acronym for woke, you know, like worshiping only. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. Wor- I ran worshiping out of- only uh, keeps everything. Right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, we did it! We're gonna, we're we gonna got it. The woke All right, guys. Church. Woke church with pastors Nate, Janice, and Gail. <laughs> oh man, terrible, terrible stuff. Say, it's starting here now. I see the mm-hmm. the church name that I want that I would have wanted for a mega church has already been taken by another podcast called Mega. I would have just been like, my church is called Mega, Mega, <laughs> Mega Mega Church. <laughs> Uh, Janice, this has been a whole lot of fun. Um, we'll go ahead and put your uh, your stuff in the show notes. The podcasts that Janice works on are God Has Not Given and Bad Words. So go check them out. They are they are a blast. Janice, thank you as always. It's it's always a whole lot of fun. We love having you uh, having you hang out with us. Anytime. See you. See you for the next talk. 
Yeah, or yeah, the next the next documentary. That'll probably be the next time I see you face to face. Somebody no. else's <laughs> No, no, we no, we, no. no, we hang we out because we're not that far from each other. But yeah, not that is that is entirely a joke. The next time we see each other will not be for another documentary. So then every time oh, we do man. hang out, it's mega because we are making everything God <laughs> always. Oh god. All right, this has been this has been fun. That wraps up another episode of the Full Mutuality podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. And if you don't already have one, head over to our website fullmutuality.com for a list of all the apps you can find us on. We couldn't do this without you, our listeners, so thank you so much for your continued support. Speaking of support, one of the best things you can do for us is to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. I'm pretty sure five-star reviews get you an extra crown in heaven. Look, seriously, if you found this episode insightful, spread the word and share it with your friends. And don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Full Mutuality. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Full Mutuality Podcast.